Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of Cast Dice. Uh, my name is Old Man Morin, otherwise known as Brad, and this is a podcast that has... I, I've started to explore some of the many, many games that exist in the world today. Um, I have said on this podcast many times and on other podcasts that we're in a bit of a, a gaming renaissance. There are just so many good games to play at the moment from so many different companies that it's hard to to really focus on something um, that you want to play for any length of time without suffering from that, almost that goldfish in a bowl. Ooh, a castle. Ooh, a castle, like something new and shiny um, happening around us. Um, so many good games are coming out that are new, and there are so many good games that are already out. Um, today, I thought I would invite on a an old friend, um, someone who used to live in Melbourne and moved abroad. Um, I guess moved back abroad, you might say, um, to talk about a couple of the oldies and goodies, um, but one game in particular that has just captured the imagination of countless gamers even though the company itself that made the game sort of left it out in the wilderness for almost two decades um but before we get into what that is um i'll i'll leave that little that little hint lingering and i'll introduce our guest um i would like to introduce one of my brothers from another mother um one of the oh what are we? So we were members of Melbourne's finest Warhammer Forty Thousand club um, while it existed, the Golden D Six, and you would know his sultry tones from Home Guard Radio. Big Al, Alistair Unicom, welcome to Cast Ice. Thank you very much, Brad. Honestly, your introductions are second to none, uh, and it's one of the. I think it's one of the reasons why I, I jump on board so many of your um, podcasts that you get involved in. So thank you for having me on this one, mate. It's much appreciated. Hey, as I've said before, and I will say again, brother, we are truly old school. You have a standing invite anytime you want to come on. Now I do have to. Ap- I'm sorry I'm dragging you on. Um, you sound a little worse to the wear, which was me last time. Um, uh, sorry about that, man. No, that's okay. You've uh, got to remember it's the depths of uh, Ragnarok in the Northern Hemisphere. You well, know, we get we get sun sunlight for 10 minutes and then it's darkness for the rest. So it's oh. very, as you were saying, it's very Warhammer 40,000. It is and, grim and dark. But, yeah, but that also requires some sort of herbal tea lemsip thing to to keep you functioning. So I hear you, brother. Now you are currently you now you lived in Melbourne for quite a while, and as I sort of buried the well, I, I was threw into my introduction. Um, you and I were both members of the Golden D Six. Um, we played Warhammer Forty Thousand. Sort of, we were the premier Melbourne club, and members of our club won. Melbourne slash the Southern Hemisphere's largest Warhammer 40,000 event sort of consecutively for almost a decade. Um, That would be Arcanicon, of course. That would be true. One thing I'll have to say, Brad, is I wouldn't wouldn't ever describe us as a club. We didn't invite open membership. It was more like some sort of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yes. Is that the right term? That is. Yeah, because some of us... Some of us were pretty extraordinary, weird, but uh, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, there's pictures from back in the day that tell a lot of stories, but yes. 
one of the best things about that club, though, or our our group, was the the like mindedness yeah. of everybody. And uh, and it was a it was a forum, not only for good conversation, but for gameplay to test ideas, to get that sort of critical analysis from another another player. Uh, who had the same goal as was to see you do well. Everybody wanted to see each other do well uh, at events or in general play, because uh, then that reflected on us as a as a group or as a team or as a unit, whatever you want to describe. And mm-hmm. as you said, there was uh, everybody had their strength. Uh, thank God, I was good behind a paintbrush because of all the <laughs> of all the, of all of us as gamers, I was probably the weakest, but. Even then, I, I still managed to finish on the podium a couple of times um, at Arcanicon back in the day. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure you were standing next to me on that podium, and that is not that does not mean that you 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 painted some pretty models and that was it, mate. You uh, you were definitely pulling your weight. Um, but as you say, oh, that, that that was a great club because. Um, we got together weekly, and um, as you say, it wasn't an open club, but we would get together just about every week, and there were games constantly, and it was no holds barred, and this was back in, what, 5th edition of Warhammer 40,000? Yeah, 4th, 5th, yeah. 4th, fourth, 5th, yeah, fourth that's right. And it was, the, the competition was fierce, and it was, a, you know, constant tweaking of lists, constantly starting armies from scratch, um, but going because Melbourne had a really strong hobby side to the uh, to to its tournaments at that point. So you would get a really strong painting score. You would get a composition score. So if your army was cheesy, you would get marked down. Of course, that just yep, meant correct. guys like us got together, and it was this constant like, how do I take a theme and then take it to the nth degree? To, to for maximum efficiency and not be a jerk at the same time because sportsmanship yep. was in there as well. And it it led to this sort of hyper-competitive uh, hyper scene and we were sort of the cutting edge of that scene. But at the same time, because of the, the way it all worked, I rarely felt hard done by like after finishing a game. It was never like, Oh, that sucked. I hated that game. My opponent's army was awful and they were a jerk. It was like I I I literally had fun in almost every event I played in, almost every yep. game. Um do, do you feel the I, same I completely, way? Completely completely agree. And that was where each each person brought their own piece of the puzzle to that group. Agreed. You know, you and you, you you described it there. It's like how do we make this list competitive but not cheesy mm-hmm. uh, how do we make our theme believable uh, and then present it and then i was of the mindset it's like okay guys you've just got a great list a great theme how can we make it how can we make the models look good exactly how can they how can they look their best because i've and i'm not ashamed to admit anything like this but you know, I got a huge amount of help with different army lists from Space Marines to Eldar to Chaos Space Marines, mm-hmm. uh, from yourself and other uh, other members of the group. And oh, then yeah. I I went into the lab and sciencedced it uh, with the paintbrush so that mm-hmm. when they came out, I knew that 
at the very least, I had a competitive list with good theme, and it looked as best as I could. Mm-hmm. The only problem then became was I was playing it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and a fantastic list doesn't guarantee you fantastic victories. No, but we, I mean, a lot of <clears throat> a lot of what people complain about games like Warhammer Forty Thousand, um, in environments where perhaps there is an element of codex creep, is that people often argue that and this sort of lends itself to internet conversation, forum conversations, is the the whole idea that the list is everything. That if you have the net list, you can win. Or if you have a net list and you know how to play the game, like you you're, you are well advantaged. And to a degree that, I guess that's, that, that is true, but the thing that I got out of those Wednesday night games at, you know, in Dave's garage um, was it, it was lining up and we would play and, Oftentimes we'd set up and we'd get one turn in and it would be like, oh, we're doing this wrong. You totally have it. Re-rack. Let's do this again. And it was the tactics. It was how did how are you adapting this? Now what but I think I learned more from the post-game conversations. Yes. Um it was just it was just the and it, it wasn't like, haha, I kicked your skull and it was, why'd you do that? How do we go around doing this next time? Now, how could I counter that? What would you add to the army? What would you take away? Or given what I have, what would you have done in that situation? And it was just, and it was constant. It was the, playing the missions. It was acknowledging what the missions are asking for and then making sure that you could counter that in your opponent's list through tactics. Yeah, yep. yeah. Go ahead. And that's what you're describing. Uh, that's how I've... Um apply myself to bolt action in the mm. past sort of three years because I, I thoroughly enjoy bolt action mm. at all its different levels. But one thing I see quite a lot of, and it's actually, I, the one thing that's disappointed me, Brad, is that we've never been in the same country together to play bolt action together. It's true. Because I know that you've you've gone through a huge sort of surge, recede, resurgence mm-hmm. in bolt action for yourself. Agreed. Uh, and you've you've played in, you know, quite a competitive environment, as have I, and they're very different competitive environments. What I've seen uh, a lot more of in bolt action is competitive players seem to be fascinated in trying to find the tricks mm-hmm. with bolt action. They they try and list it to get this. You know, I, I can't help but think of the term from, I think it was like Kill Bill, you know, tricks are for cats. Yeah. They're always trying to find these trick lists that will spin the win or make it happen. Mm-hmm. And tournament after tournament, I turn up with, I, I only play Soviets and Germans, simply because that's all I've got painted mm-hmm. these days, uh, with a balance list. And, uh, you know, 98% of the time, I'm coming away with the win. Mm-hmm. And you leave these armies that have got, you know, five Stuarts or three Katushas from the Russians or, mm-hmm. you know, the Quad Maxim, whatever whatever tricks they think are going to win. Mm-hmm. And they, they wonder, it's like, why? It's like, it's not about tricks. It's about good gameplay, tactics, play the mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can, you're not going to out, you shouldn't be able to outshoot your opponent unless they're an absolute chump. Exactly, uh, and that's what that Warhammer Forty Thousand training taught us that if you play to the mission, use tactics, think about what you're trying to achieve. You know, 
turns one, two, and three, but break it down, uh, that gets you to the the outcome that you need for a for a tournament game or you know an overall tournament event. <coughs> Trick lists shouldn't shouldn't guarantee you victory. And for myself, my recent bowl action experience, they don't. No. No, I'd agree. And I've just seen the pictures of your... Can you quickly um, spruik the name of your page? Because I'm pretty sure I'm going to get it wrong. No, Facebook. that's no problem. Uh, I maintain a separate Facebook page for all my hobby painting uh, called Brushwork Miniatures. Gotcha. It's on Facebook. Very easy to find. Uh, I also offer a commission service on the side of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, predominantly for Blood Bowl teams. Uh, they're just a bit more of a controlled element to paint but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll commission paint pretty much anything if uh, if you've got the dollars cents euros pesos <laughs> or shekels to pay for it that's right i accept any currency well if guys if you have not been to that site you need to go on it because just having looked at al's new german winter german army i mean i i love to paint i love to paint Germans in uh, or anything in winter scheme. <laughs> Al does it about a million times faster than me um, and better by a wide margin. Um, and I like I'll, to think tell that you my why, stuff's not bad. Yeah, go ahead. I'll tell you why that is, Brad. I've, I've watched you paint for a number of years and it's your method of painting white is just batshit <laughs> off the planet. It is. I don't, I don't know how many layers you do. I, I stop counting as soon as you get into double figures. But <laughs> How many? That's, that's okay, how, how do you do it? Hey, how do I? Oh, no, I don't want to ask. Do, I don't want to give it away, but uh, is there, you know, is no, there no, some I, for, a, for the basic white sort of smock camo clothing that the Germans wear, uh, it's a grey undercoat, you know, the Vallejo grey yep. undercoat. Then I do a black ink wash over all of it. Mm-hmm. Then highlight it with grey, highlight it uh, 75-25 grey-white, then 50-50 grey-white, then white-grey, then white. So I think there's like five highlights. Yeah. Five steps. I love that you're giving That's... me grief and you're like, yeah, five highlights. That's nothing yeah, compared I know, to it's just as soon as, as soon as I started saying it, it's like, oh, actually, hang on a minute. Wait yeah, a minute. five. Dude. I hear you. Oh, dear. Yep, yep. No, but that's the thing. But you're also, I mean, you're fast, you know what you're doing, and you get it done quick. Um, the amount of stuff I've picked up. Now, I, I mean, it sounds like Al may be talking up himself a little bit as far as painting goes. But we are talking about a guy, and I should probably should have put this in the introduction. Al is one of the, literally one of the most talented painters I have ever sat next to. Um, his armies have won best painted or, you know, second run if not best painted in i can't count how many events um literally and we're talking multiple game systems multiple armies and really stiff competition and al just walks in and smashes it so um to 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 look at al's stuff especially the blood bowl stuff where he can just focus in on a few models it's unbelievable so, um, yeah, that should be said. I should, I, I really should have said that earlier. Um, but, but it's, yeah. it's all about what you enjoy. You know, I've always been able to accept that different people enjoy different aspects of it, of, of, of war gaming or toy soldier gaming or board gaming. Yeah. Um, you know, and I've, I'm really happy that painting's the side I've enjoyed and 
had more success in. Uh, because, you know, there are those days when you throw your toy soldiers down and you come away from that gaming table and you have actually been beaten by a better person, a better army, and you've just, yeah. Yeah. But at least you can look down and think, well, at least mine look real good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you go home with the trophy, with a, a trophy, and it's like, well, okay, I got, you know, yeah. I put yeah, a lot of time and effort into this. Yeah. I lost, I lost with style. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I learned I learned a lot. I mean, you were talking about learning tactics from me, maybe, but I, I learned a crapload about extreme highlighting and where to put highlights on miniatures, um, and especially how to paint little lenses and jewels on things um, from watching you paint. And so, um, yeah, it's just, it's fantastic. Now, we did talk about how I stayed in Melbourne with the majority of the club, but it's funny. I saw a picture of you on Facebook playing a game of Warhammer 40,000, the old riding on the old horse, uh, with yes. one of our old clubmates who also moved to Scotland. Now, I, I also yes. didn't say that. You moved, uh, you moved back to Scotland, hence the accent. Um, Correct. Yeah, so uh, how, how was playing Big Dave? I mean, did you guys go old school style, or was it fun? How, how'd it go? We, um, well, we're both rediscovering Warhammer 40,000 after a few edition changes. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the great thing is, neither of us had bought new armies or new models since, you know, mm-hmm. maybe fifth or sixth edition. So he was pulling out Chaos Space Marines that I hadn't seen in a decade. <laughs> okay. I was playing I was playing with an elder army that he hadn't seen in a decade. And I was remembering... Sorry, we were remembering what our models used to be able to do. Yeah. You know, your your Dave was picking up his Chaos Lord. Oh, I remember when he used to have fleet and infiltrate and a personal icon and mm-hmm. <laughs> all that stuff. So we threw the models down and had fun. We we had rule books out, referring back, making sure we were doing things properly. Uh, it wasn't a competitive analysis. Uh, at the start, I think by the end of it, we had a few discussions of, uh, especially when Dave lost, which I maybe can only count on one hand. Yeah, many times I've beat him, and Dave, and Dave immediately asked, "How did that happen? What did you do? <laughs> yeah. What did I do? Yeah, exactly. How can I, how can I not do it again <laughs> and get this the solution? Because I, I ran, um, as I said, I ran Craft World Eldar, and I had Eldrad. Why not? Mm-hmm. Why? Why would I not have Eldrad leading it? So Dave's analysis was: your psychic powers are really good. Let me check to see what good psychers chaos have got. Five minutes later, okay, this guy Magnus the Red, he's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! It's like, all right, so we're we're going that way, are we? Oh, oh God, Jesus, uh, yeah. And Codex creep happens instantly. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So okay. No, it was, so it was good times. So I want to ask you about that because, I mean, 40k really it took the gaming world by storm. Eighth edition came back, and I know Games Workshop isn't calling it eighth edition, but it is the eighth iteration of Warhammer. Now I didn't play sixth edition. I played a few trial games, hated it to the point where I quit, and it was the same time Bolt Action came out, and so I played Bolt Action religiously. I skipped seventh entirely because it, 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 I mean, they jumped the shark in a big old way with that edition. But, uh, man, 
eighth edition looks really good. Now I'm not sure about at the competitive level. It seems a little min maxi, like you can do some shenanigans. But for like a good fun social game, how does it play? Do you enjoy it? Well, Brad, the history you just laid down for yourself uh, is exactly the same for me. Okay. A couple of games of six didn't like it. Full action came out. Wow, amazing. Totally. Seventh came out. I played a couple of games of seventh. Mm, nope. Kept yeah. an eye on it to see what would happen, mm-hmm. and it just went to the darkest place possible. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then eighth editions come around, and uh, I've not fallen out of love with anything I've played. I just I look around and had so many armies and models. Yeah. It's like right. Well, I've got to have a look to see what's happening. And Games Workshop marketed it as a big change. Yeah. Uh, and it has simplified down, and it has worked. And as a social game between between older gamers, I uh, <coughs> excuse me, I've not played with anybody. Any this is going to sound so weird. I've not played with any strangers. Stranger <laughs> danger. I don't. Yeah. I don't want. I don't want to play with any non-friends or non-good gaming buddies. Yeah. Because I don't want to meet. I don't want to meet the competitive gamer for this edition. I'm sure they're nice. Yeah. But I don't want. I don't want to play those armies. I don't want to fall into that trap. This is. This is for fun. I've got other game systems that are. That that let me vent that competitive, you know, tournament winning. Mm-hmm situation whereas warhammer 40,000 like the history of it like rolling dice like the stories love the models uh, and the opportunity you know has, has come around again to to play it and i've got other other game systems that let me get that tournament competitive yeah. sort of vent out and i'm glad that warhammer 40,000 isn't that it's something I can you can really enjoy, um, and it's and it's been a good addition back into my my wargaming life. Now I I want to I'm glad you say that I, I want to ask you something. So yes, Arcanicon tickets are on sale, and I think there's like five left. And as as a guy who's won it previously as a returning champion, I'm pretty sure I'm I'm guaranteed a ticket. Um, but yes. I, I don't want to be that guy. I, and I've, I'm, like pre-sales went up ages ago and all that, and that's when veterans are supposed to buy. Now, I haven't played Warhammer in forever, and last year I signed up to play, and I couldn't. So I had to back out and ask for a refund, which was awful. Um, but, w- but when the tournament costs as much as you know some game core games, you go, hmm, you want to make sure you get... Sorry, guys, that time I had to ask for a refund. Um, and I knew I wasn't going to make it like a month and a half in advance, but it's on my birthday weekend this year and there's, and I don't have any of the things. Now I haven't played a game of Warhammer 40,000 in two editions. I still haven't played eighth. I'm looking forward to trying it this school holiday. I'm, I'm like, Oh, do I buy the ticket and just go and play? But as you say, even though it's like they're doing everything they can to make sure that there's no crazy listing and it's, it's very old school and it's got a reputation for being super friendly. Do I really want to play stranger? I don't know. No. What do you think? My advice? No, don't do it. Okay. That's well, yeah. How come? Really odd. Yeah. Uh, I think to, 
I've, I've, I've had this discussion with Big Dave, who we mentioned previously mm-hmm. as being part of her group. Uh, we're not, you wouldn't be going to try and have, well, you'd be going to try and have fun at the event and, uh, you know, play games, meet new people, all those things. What you're actually doing is you're going back to try and recapture the magic that we've been speaking about, yeah. and it's not there, mate. Yeah, it's that's not true. there. Yeah, that's myself and Dave had this conversation about, you know, because he when he came over here, he went to a few of the GTs at Warhammer World, and mm-hmm. uh, you know we've been to a few other events for different game systems together, and we we were drinking on a Saturday night and talking it over, and it's like, why does it feel different? It's like because the magic's not there. There's that right cocktail of our good friends. The yeah. the fact that you know we knew we were competitive, and we were pushing the boundaries of the game system at that time. Uh, whereas now we're a little bit older and maybe not looking for that anymore. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, or yeah, we're not looking for that no. anymore. Cue the and, uh, cue Bruce Springsteen's glory days in the background, and uh, pretty much, yeah. No, you're right, man. You're, pretty much, I, I couldn't have said that better. Um, I got that to a, a degree when Bolt Action kicked off, and um, the the original LRDG crew, um, the Mouth of Madness, Dave of War, yep. and Warlord Taboo, we got together, and it would you know there was four of us, so it was easy to be like, all right, you play you, you play you, um, we'll play, and then I'll play winner, you play winner, um, this sort of thing, and you know, it. It, you would just you would play you would and we would do the same things that the Golden D Six did back in the day. Warlord Taboo was the painting expert. Um, you know, Dave was the ultimate number cruncher. Go figure. Another big Dave who was you know perfect yep. at doing that. Um, I don't know what my superpower was. Maybe Howling Mad Murdoch. No, that was definitely Lachlan, the Mouth of Madness. Yes, it was. Yeah. So I guess that makes me face the the pretty one. I, I don't know. Maybe I was <laughs> BA, the grumpy one. I think that was more it. But um, man, we got it together and we played a lot. And going up into the last CanCon I played in, like it was. Rack, re-rack, play again. How do you play the mission? How are we going to do this? Um, and you just play, but it was fun. And we, but to a degree, um, which is something we didn't have, I think, in the Golden D6 days, the LRDG, because it was a smaller game, and in order to play in a lot of the events, um, they were happening interstate. I mean, when, we play, when the Golden D6 played, there was a major Warhammer 40,000 tournament once a month or if not once every other month and so it was and sometimes around easter there would be two and it was the and it would be two-day tournaments you would just it would just play again play again play again so there was always this shifting meta but i guess with the lrdg crew i mean it turned almost into i guess like a like a closed circuit arms race where it was like Oh, Dave's got the thing. I'm going to go get the thing that beats Dave's thing. Oh, and then Tobu's got this other thing. Now, that's really interesting. How do I beat that? And yes, the listing was an element to it. But of course, we then put the tactics on top. And it, I think that's what got me across the line the last time I played at CanCon and did really well was um, I had just run into all kinds of lists and had just, was, had just played so much that, you know, 
when you look at the table, it was like, oh, pretty models. Ooh, wonderful terrain. But then the second dice started rolling, it was like everything went away and it, the matrix appeared and all I was looking at yes. was lines of green. And I, I, I play occasionally, I know, not occasionally, I still play, but not nearly as much. And when I play now, I'm like, oh, look at the pretty tanks. Oh, this is nice. I'm going to move my tank up here. And this, and like sometimes something in my head clicks and I start to see the matrix again. But I just, I'm so out of practice that I just really enjoy wargaming and using tactics, but it's not second nature. Am I, am I, is this? That makes sense. And if you pick up Warhammer 40,000, apply that. Whereas, and that's what I'm doing. Whereas what you said about seeing the matrix, that's bolt action. Yeah. I love bolt action for the balance of the game system, mm -hmm. the pinning mechanic, the random activation mechanic. They just make the game so much playable, uh, mm -hmm. so balanced. Um, I love it. You know, and even when you come across these lists where people think they've crunched the numbers, like, yeah, mm -hmm. no, you I haven't. Got you. Yeah. Because uh, I, I ran the same Soviet thousand point list for an entire year uh, and went to multiple tournaments and uh, either won or finished in the podium, you know, five times. Yep. Uh, and I was fighting lists that had everything, you know. And sometimes I wondered, how did you actually make that list? You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. the three, the three Neville Wefers, how did, how did you do that? It's like, oh, well, you crunched the numbers on it and you've done some tricks or some theatre selector. And it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, but you've lost. Yeah. You know, five Stuarts. Wow, that's really amazing. Yeah, you've lost. Yeah. There was this fantastic... Because something about Scotland and bolt action, we uh, play full rules as written. There's no... There's no, never been any sort of uh, Season rules. limits on what you can take. Mm -hmm. You know, you can take whatever you want uh, except the war reporter because he's just stupid. <laughs> yes, thank you. He's just stupid. But you can throw anything down. And there was an event held in Edinburgh and it was, you can bring anything, anything, including uh, the Hollywood um, the Hollywood list, what was it? Uh, it was um, uh, Kelly's Heroes. Yes, Kelly's <laughs> Heroes list was in. You could bring anything, uh, <clears throat> and I'm sure it was 1,250 points, so mm -hmm. you could get a lot. There was Hollywood Tigers, Tiger Tanks. There was just everything. Just, you know, one player, British player, had, oh, God, there was five airborne Jeeps, with Ugh. greyhounds and stewards and mm -hmm. there was just crazy stuff. And then I I I crunched the maths. One moment. <coughs> I was crunching the maths on crazy lists for the Soviets with five T thirty four eighty fives and all this bizarre stuff. Then yeah. I was like, oh, you know what? I'm just gonna take my a balanced list with a little bit of this and that and you know, the the, the unit I always talk most passionately about is the veteran truck mm-hmm yeah you do <laughs> freaks everybody out the veteran <laughs> truck um but i took the veteran truck with some vets in it and everything else yes balanced soviet list Love win it. yeah and, man and people people were just baffled you know oh but what about my three hollywood tigers that i've got yeah but no no <laughs> 
Yeah, that's nice and all, but how many games have you played with it? Do you actually know your list? And, I mean, you're talking about taking a balanced list, but you and I have talked offline about this, not recently, but quite a bit back in the day. Your yep. lists don't just balance. you They synergize. Like, you take well-put-together yes, lists. Yeah. It's, yep. it's, you take, you've, you've, you've got an answer. You've got a tool for a lot of situations but the list supports itself, and the way you play it supports those parts within the list. It's it's tools for everything and a redundancy. Exactly. You know, if you're that was one of the more recent ones. Uh, the Germans that you mentioned, they mm -hmm. were a, they were a brand new army this year for myself uh, to play in an event specifically at the end of the year locally. It's a big charity event called Winter War. Mm -hmm. And it's a one-day event. Bolt action, I think there was 40 players there. And I thought, going to make sure my Germans are ready for this. Get them painted up. I never got to roll dice with the Germans before that day. Just, yep. I'd, I'd arranged game days with friends, and but it just, they all fell through for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, I know how to play bolt action, so I'll be able to play three games with them. But in terms of competitiveness, I wouldn't have a clue. Uh, but I'm there to try and win the painting award, meet up with some old friends, raise some money for uh, local charities, you know, do do good things. Now, don't get me wrong. When I said I know how to play bolt action, I know how to write a list. So as I was writing it, I was making sure I just formal, followed my own rules. You know, right, what's my anti-tank? Okay, mm -hmm. Panzer Four. What's my backup anti-tank? Uh, okay, I'll have two small units of veterans and heavy field cars, a couple of Panzerfausts, great, mm -hmm. there's the backup. You know, what's going to hold my, um, you know, objectives? Okay, unit of eight guys, well, better make that two units of eight guys. Mm -hmm. And then just everything else, what do I need? Is a sort of, a, not like a skirmisher, but a wild card, a motorbike with sidecar, yep. medium machine gun, yeah, get one of them. You know, pretty weak, but, you know, get to where I need to go. So put the list together. So yeah, really good. Then three games, I got three wins and won the tournament. And I was absolutely shocked. Absolutely yeah. shocked. It was awesome. And but, I'm looking, as you're speaking, I'm looking at pictures of your army on your website. Um, if you look at the Brushwork Miniatures page and scroll down a couple pictures, um, if you go to the uh, post on November 16th, and it may be, I may just have to just put this on the uh, Cast Dice Facebook page as well, but these models are immaculately painted. But as you describe it, I'm like, yep, that one, yep, that one. A lieutenant with one guy, yep, two field cars, yep. Uh, there's the machine gun bike in the back, yep, there it is. And yeah. Dude, this yep, this is this army is the total package. But you with you behind it, um, it's a solid army. It looks sensational, and with a good general, it's no it's no wonder you won. Um, yeah. Hey, not to say if any of my opponents on that day are listening to this podcast, which I hope they would, they were really really good. You know, they were no mm. slouches, and uh, you know the the victories they weren't. You know, completely. What's the term? Tabled. Nobody got tabled. Right. It was all pretty close stuff. So, all right. I'm looking at these pictures, and they are gorgeous. Um, what made you go with the the winter theme? 
Does it 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 pops on the table? Is that is that why? Am I stealing your thunder there? No, no. the The winter theme. The winter theme for me is, well, I like I like the winter models. I know that sounds really strange, but they had more more clothing on them. They're all yeah. warlord miniatures, mm-hmm. uh, and I liked I liked how they were sold to me. But there was going to be a theme over three armies, and sadly, my other two, the other two armies that were involved, uh, didn't quite make it. Uh, and they were my two of my fellow cast members from Home Guard Radio. Uh, Stephen Bonner and Craig Brown. Our plan was to turn up to Winter War with three German armies, uh, but they were supposed to be the same German army as the war progressed. Oh, very nice. So Bonner was supposed to have early war, 1939-1940, early war Germans. You know, so just invaded France, Absolutely, super pumped up. You know, we just won this stuff. Then Craig Brown, uh, and he's still working on this, thankfully. <coughs> he was supposed to be doing uh, the desert, the DAC, mm-hmm. the Africa Corps. So, you know, Bonner's army's been transferred to North Africa. New kit, all the sort of tanned helmets and everything else. You know, go and do the, go and do the Desert Fox Proud. Mm-hmm. Then for me, I was the third installment when they've been kicked out of North Africa. They've been redrafted into Central Europe. It's winter. They're miserable. So if you look, if you look quite closely mm-hmm. at the the helmets and equipment that the winter have painted, you'll see quite a lot of the sort of Africa core color helmets, pouches, backpacks. Uh, you'd have to look quite quite close to try and get that theme and the idea being that when they got redrafted back into Europe uh, you know equipment starts sort of the supply lines are not as good as they used to be mm-hmm. um, you know they haven't had time to you know completely convert over to full full winter camouflage so there was supposed to be a theme but I, I rocked up by myself and then a yeah. bizarre a bizarre future vision would be to have a fourth iteration of the army uh, for the Conflict 47 game. There you go. <laughs> but that's that's way in the future. Now, I'm I'm looking at... The, the, I can easily believe that, that amount of detail looking at these models. Um, sorry, I had to quickly let my dog out of the bedroom while you were saying... But I was hearing what you were saying about um, just... Oh, God, man, just the... I'm glad to see that um, your army got finished, and I hope that you know Bonner and Craig get theirs done as well. I do want to give a shout out to those guys. I do miss the uh, the good old days of having Bonner um, occasionally like 52 pictures on a page at one time, and you you know we used to joke that we, you were Bonnered, so you would wake up and the notifications for the Facebook page for you know the bolt action stuff would be like. Stephen Bonner likes 52 of your pictures. And you'd be like, oh, for the love of God, Bonner, I have to find something else in here. Uh. Um, but yeah, I, I, um, yeah. I, he gave um, uh, Big Dave, our Big Dave from the LRDG, came to Scotland and uh, Bonner took him out and got, him, got some games in him um, in Scotland. And so I do want to thank him and shout out and say, uh, Hopefully, I'll have a chance to get out to Scotland to see you guys in person, and uh, definitely want to 
shake hands and roll dice with the man and uh craig too man you guys are awesome and uh yeah it's just good to hear you guys still playing i know the podcast doesn't always um click over but um it's just yeah i just love you guys hobby so yeah good stuff all good now i do want to ask because we kind of tiptoed around it but i kind of want to talk about blood bowl now ah so 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 now we finally got to the the, yeah it only took 40 minutes from your (laughs) the topic from your introduction eh? able first of all we should probably thank anybody who's still listening exactly to actually get there well done guys (sighs) okay so let me let me preamble this a little bit let me throw a little preamble down so blood bowl blood bowl was a game that i picked up in japan in the 80s um and it was a board game with cardboard players um, on, you know, boards that fit together like puzzle pieces. And I loved that game to death. This was in the same era when I was playing Car Wars religiously. Um, I didn't know that miniatures were a thing. I was still playing with cardboard cutouts. And um, I played that with my friends. And I had the original Death Zone. And... It, it was sensational, and the fluff behind the game was wonderful. Now, it's fantasy football. Now, that doesn't mean like fantasy league, like I'm going to go draft, um, you know, Tom Brady for, I don't know, some other, I, that's like the one football player I know for, I don't know, the, the, the Baltimore Ravens, um, just to think of where I used to work, Games Workshop. Oh, was the team there? Oh, yeah, the Ravens. Um, it's not that kind of fantasy football. We're talking Tolkien slash Games Workshop fantasy races, Warhammer 40,000, sorry, not 40,000, Warhammer Fantasy on the football pitch. And when I say football, I know that that means a lot of things in a lot of places, but of course I'm talking um, what Americans call football or what is called gridiron everywhere else. Um, so you have orc teams, human teams, elf teams, all of these teams, but it, it I mean... It kind of sounds tragic. I was I was kind of trying to describe this to one of my coworkers today, and uh, he thought I I was like legitimately crazy trying to explain this game to him. But it's a fascinating um, amalgamation of a number of sort of ideas. Um, but it's the way the Games Workshop did it originally. And how it's sort of come and how that's evolved through its iterations. It's very tongue in cheek. It's very fun. Um, the commentators are hilarious. Um, there's a god of football called Nuffle. I mean, if you, which is, of course, the NFL, um, if you go through it, it's just really clever and really fun. And Games Workshop came out with. A couple of versions of Blood Bowl. There was one that had some the original plastic models, and I believe it had like a styrofoam pitch. And then that one was done away with, and they came back with the more known one, which is the one that sort of stuck around forever, which had a a cardboard pitch with different models that um, weren't super great, but the rules were fantastic. And I had that edition as well. Um, and I played that a fair bit. Um, but other than Games Workshop selling the IP to various video game companies, um, Blood Bowl kind of got left by the wayside for a really long time, like decades. 
Um, but the community never ad- never abandoned it. If anything, um, I mean, think just just ponder that. Ponder a game system had nothing new come out for uh, over a decade. How does that how does that community? I mean, eventually people like have different jobs or have families. They have to leave, you know, competitive play. They go find to play something else with something new and shiny. Um, and yet this was a community that not only retained players, but brought new players in. And it was solely through um, players, you know, going out and proth- uh, pr- pr- I can't think of the word, um, preaching the good word as you would, to, to new prospective players that kept the game alive. And alive it was, to the point where Games Workshop, even before you know the new, wonderful new Games Workshop, one of the first big steps towards the Games Workshop that we know now is the modern company, or sort of is awakening into, I think its first big step was to re-release Blood Bowl with brand new, beautiful models. Um, Al, are, I, I know I'm throwing a lot out at you. Just, would you agree with what I'm throwing down? Is Do you want to correct me on some points? Because I know I'm kind of loose in the middle. No, no, very much so. That Blood Bowl, I can't remember when Specialist Games abandoned Blood Bowl along with Necromunda, Battlefleet Gothic, and Epic and everything else. Would have been mm-hmm. like 2003, 2004? Yeah, something like that. It was before so, I moved to Australia. Around, around that time... For whatever, I think it was commercial reasons, you know, non-profitability, whatever, uh, it got cast aside. No no new models, no new updates, no conversation about it, no nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's when the, the Blood Bowl community uh, enacted the, the Living Rulebook. I think it got to the Living Rulebook version 5, and that sustained the community through, uh, you know, 12, 14 years yeah. of, of gameplay. And as you said, the the community, I don't think, it didn't shrink. It, it, it did grow. And the best way, as I've said previously on this cast, Blood Bowl is one of those competitive, <coughs> excuse me, tournament games that, you know, it lets me get that, that sort of competitive energy out, uh, both domestically within Scotland and England. You know, there's tournaments running... Mm-hmm. Uh, on a sort of weekly basis, you can go somewhere in within the United Kingdom and find a Blood Bowl tournament every weekend if you want to. That's and you'll find anywhere between, oh, it's crazy. And you'll find anywhere between 15 and 30 players will turn up. Then every year, uh, a European nation hosts Euro Bowl. And that's a sort of people will understand it if they know like the Warhammer 40,000 team championship style mm-hmm. events uh, what I will say though is Blood Bowl has been doing it for years beforehand mm-hmm. uh, for Euro Bowl and you'll find anywhere between 250 and 400 players will be at a European championship and similar to soccer football uh, every four years, there's a World Cup, and I was lucky enough to go to the World Cup in 2015, and that was held in a city called Lucca in northern Italy, and there were over 900 coaches turned up to play nine games over three days. Oh. 900 just for Blood Bowl. There was 
this wasn't like a shared event with it. This was just the Blood Bowl World Cup in a huge convention centre in Italy. Uh, over 900. <laughs> 900. The noise was phenomenal. Oh, uh, man. Just imagining absolutely... 450 sets of dice rolling at any given time in a room, let it alone was... the people talking. Unbelievable. Absolutely insane. And those numbers, that was in 2015. That was the year before Games Workshop re-released their the game. Yeah. And the, the good thing that Games Workshop did, when they re-released the game, they only made minor changes to the living rulebook. So the actual game itself uh, has, has virtually not changed at all. The only, the only changes they made were to your friendly league play, you know, when you're playing with your friends. That's you know? awesome. But, but in terms of going to a, a tournament event, it's exactly the same game as it was five years ago, ten years ago. It's the same. Uh, yeah. and, and, it, and it works, and it doesn't need to be changed, which is the best thing about it. <laughs> I mean, clearly it's it's a game that works. I mean, people are playing it. It's it's balanced. Um, I like to talk about games being sort of clean, um, like very simply laid out, maybe easy to pick up, hard to master, as sort of one of the things that I really enjoy. Um, now, Blood Bowl is almost on the upper edge of that. Like there are... It's relatively easy to pick up and to move things around. I mean, to to the point where I talked earlier about Games Workshop selling the IP, um, the intellectual property, to several different video game companies. And I played Bud Bowl uh, religiously on my PSP when I first moved to Australia and I got it and I was traveling by train. Um, I played with my orc team through countless, you know, online, not online, um, virtual leagues. Um, to pass the time, and I loved it. But then I actually sat down and played a game against Big Dave um, on his on his Xbox, and I got my head absolutely stomped in simply because he was playing, you know, a smarter game, and I was just used to playing numpty computer push around things. So I mean, you can pick it up, but there's so many tactics to it. Yes, it, it, it's hard to. Oh, it's not hard to. There's just a lot of depth to pick up. The one thing to touch on, sorry. Please. <clears throat> the one thing to touch on what you said about the game being clean and refined, I'll never say it's balanced. There's always a misbalance in Blood Bowl between the different races. You know, elves can do things better than orcs, but orcs mm. can do things better than elves, For let's say. But uh, this year... The European Championship was held in Portugal. Mm -hmm. uh, I went. I was part of a team of three. Um, I won't get into the how the format works at this point, but mm. we played, and we played six other teams of three: uh, three French, two Italian, one Spanish. So neither, none of us spoke Italian, Spanish, or French. Their English was quite broken, and I'm not. I'm not criticizing anybody for that. That was just the way it was. Mm. But we played all our Blood Bowl games. There was no ambiguity, no animosity, no uh, rules questions, because 
the rules themselves are well understood by both players. There's no ambiguity within the rules. There's no, oh, I interpret this rule this way, mm-hmm. or there's no bizarre questioning or doubt. It's quite clear and refined. It's black and white, and two people can play. And the only English words you need to know are block, dodge, pass, handoff, uh, foul. I think that might be it. Maybe a few other handfuls, but those mm-hmm. are the hand, a handful of the core actions that your players can do. And all you need to do is say those words to to declare that you're doing it. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. I love that it is so universal that you know you've got to play people from so many different places speaking so many different languages, and it was it was just simple and and, and easy to yes. do. That is oh, that's mind blowing. It's awesome. Yes, the only the only thing that gave us all a good laugh was we knew that they were talking about us in their own language. <laughs> <laughs> and they, I'm sure they were criticizing us, you know, because we were doing really well. And I'm sure they were criticizing us and calling us all the names under the sun. <laughs> and I, I thought that was completely legitimate and that's totally fine because yeah. we were doing exactly the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, in terms of playing the game, though, I think that's the best thing. The thing I enjoy most is that I don't need to be able to speak the native language of my opponent. But as long as we have a good understanding of the rules and those core phrases mm-hmm. uh, to to take to to take in all the actions of your players, mm-hmm. and nine hundred coaches at the World Cup in two thousand fifteen. That's amazing. Insane. Okay. So the the. Oh. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yes, please. Yeah, exactly. No, I was just going to say the the European European competition next year is in Wales uh, in 2018. Then the next World Cup is in Austria in 2019, and then the next European event is in Poland in 2020. That's awesome. Now, I, I was so going to I, I, I was going to make a joke about. Well, not needing to understand what anyone's saying in Wales versus Austria. Um, my my wife is very Scottish, um, and she's is, very Scottish and very very Glaswegian. Yes, yeah, she is. Um, yes, she is. Um, and uh, down to the iron brew and everything else about it, um, headbutting uh, and the whole and the whole Scottish package. Yeah. Um, and you know, people joke about not understanding Scottish people. I don't think I've ever not understood a word that Kirsten said. Um, now, part of that I think is because you and I hung out and spent so many hours just talking, you know, yes. talking stuff over the years. But I, I know for a fact, though, that I mean, Kirsten and I went to um, the Doctor Who experience, like the Doctor Who Museum in um, Cardiff, in Wales. Just to slightly digress, um, and the only time I was in the UK and went, "Huh," was when <laughs> I was listening to people speak Welsh. Um, I mean, the Welsh English, and I was just going. What? Uh, okay, okay, I got you now. I had to actually like stop, think about what they're saying, put the sentence back together in my head, and go, "Oh yes, okay, I get it now." Um, whereas you know, Scottish, no problem. Irish, no problem. I grew up in Boston. Irish isn't a big deal. Like it's just, yeah, no, yeah. Anyway, but at the at the moment, to digress just a little bit further, yeah. I live in the Aberdeen in the sort of far mm-hmm. northeast of Scotland. You've got no idea. The people up here are just weird. Oh, they are. Like, I've been to Aberdeen twice. I know. 
their local dialect is awesome. a language called called Doric. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Getting getting in a taxi. I hope he's friendly. I hope I'm not <laughs> going to get stabbed. Yes. <laughs> but uh, but locally, locally, you know, playing Blood Bowl, we've got a really good local league. You know, mm-hmm. over twenty players. Awesome. Hey, uh, yeah, all's well. Thank you for bringing it back to Blood Bowl. Now, I I I, yes. I do wanna I do wanna talk shop here. Now, I did say that Games Workshop was a 2016 or 15. They re-released, quote unquote, 16 Blood Bowl. So it is still commercially available. It is it is a current yes. range item. Now, with it, they've re-released a ton of teams um, over time. They dripped them out. So there was the humans and the orcs in the core game. I know Skaven's come out. Um, I know Forge Worlds put out a, a number of models that add to it, like some of the big monsters and special characters. Can you what what yep. other teams are out? Well, well, well. What teams in terms of models? So as you said, yeah. uh, humans mm-hmm. and orcs mm-hmm. and Forge World have done conversion packs so that you can make like teams of legend for uh. the humans and orcs, like the orc land raiders and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've got Skaven, mm-hmm. Goblins. Nice. They're both out. Uh, then the Elf Union team has just been released. Nice. And the Dwarves. Oh, of those course. are the I only. F- yeah. Those are the only full miniature, sorry, full team ranges that the, the Games Workshop have brought out. Now, when that's all so far. When the game came out, though. Um, now one of the big criticisms of Necromunda, the new Necromunda that's out, um, is that they only technically released full rules for the Goliaths and the Escher, and they didn't give us the rest. Um, now with Blood Bowl getting its living rule book basically tweaked and re-released, um, and with everything basically being unchanging, did they put the rules for all the teams in there, or did they drip it out? I know there was a Death Zone supplement right after the game came out, but that was... So, okay, let me back it up one more step, and then you can tell I, no, me if I I'm can, wrong. I, because... I can answer the, que- I can answer, yeah, I can answer the question now as it stands. Yeah. No, they didn't release all the, team, all the rules mm. for all the teams, and they still haven't. So what we know, thankfully, is because we've got a living rule book... Mm-hmm. Everybody still plays all their other teams. Okay. But Games Workshop haven't officially released the full rules for all the teams yet. Uh, the only the only teams they've released for are the the ones they've given managers for. Mm-hmm. They released the team the team rules for Nurgle, and the reason I believe that happened was that they were redoing Warhammer Forty Thousand at the time. So all the Nurgle imagery was already there, mm-hmm. and the, their hope was that people would convert Warhammer Forty Thousand Nurgle models Marines, into yeah. into football miniatures, yeah. which is fine, and that that would work, and people have done it, no problem. <laughs> the other teams they've released rules for are teams that you can make up using the best term is hybrids, mm-hmm. hybrid teams. So. There's a team called Underworld, which is a mixture of Goblin and Skaven. Oh, interesting. There is, yep, really good team, good fun. Uh, you've got the Chaos Renegades, which are 
one of my favorites. A mixture yep. of, mm-hmm. yeah, great team. Uh, well, that's classic. Of... That was the original Chaos team. Way yeah, back, way back the... with the original box set um, with Chaos, cardboard Chaos models. All-Stars. Yeah, the Chaos All-Stars. They were very much yeah. just all over the place. So what you use for that is your, um, you use your human linemen as your Chaos Marauders. Mm-hmm. There's a troll from the Goblin team. There's a orc from the orc team. There's now an elf from the elf union team, goblin from the goblin team, etc. Uh, Forge World released a minotaur, so you can drop that in. So again, there's more team rules, but there aren't actually miniatures to go along with them. And that's, I think that's what the Blood Bowl community are. They're not upset. They're just disappointed. Yeah. That the release schedule hasn't been more intense, but. Sorry if I am ranting a little bit on your own podcast. No, Brad, please. During that time of, I'm not going to call it isolation, but when Games Workshop left Blood Bowl to its own devices, third-party miniature manufacturers sprung up. I'm glad you bring this up, yep. And they filled in the gaps for new miniatures for the different teams, the different races, and their quality is very, very high, and they've also captured the market. Yeah. So personally, sitting here right now, I've been playing Blood Bowl for a number of years. Uh, I I own one Games Workshop mini- official miniature team, and it's still in a box, not painted. Whereas mm-hmm. I look at my own Blood Bowl collection, though, and I've got maybe a, half a dozen teams mm-hmm. from four different miniature manufacturers. And if I yeah, may, I can, I can... if I may, looking at those, yeah. they look like the Games Workshop IP. Like it's not like because I know for a little while, um, I would walk in a game store and be like, "Oh, fantasy football models, I'll take a look." And you would look, and some of these would be like, "Look at the Playboy Bunny team or the Nuns yeah. team," and like some of those models are are nice, but the quality of them was was kind of wanting. So. Don't think if you've seen in some of the stores, like some of these models that like there are some really meh third party manufacturers too. Don't get me wrong. They're clever and they're cute. But if we're going to, if we're going to talk compete with workshop with quality of sculpt and just, you know, beauty of miniature, there are some phenomenal third party models out there. I mean, just like bolt action, there's, there's some world war two stuff you look at and you go, look, it's what I needed there was a gap. It filled the gap. That's what I wanted. It's what I got. It's cool. It works. And then there are some models you look now. Damn, that is next level. Um, and some yep. of the stuff that you've painted on your website, um, just flipping through the page, just some of those models. Oh my god! Just yeah. Well, Go ahead. That's the the cool thing about commission painting for Blood Bowl teams is that you get access to a lot of miniatures that you wouldn't buy for yourself. Right. So you get people sending you. I've, I've, I cannot even count the different manufacturers I've painted um, in the past couple of years, <clears throat> or the number of teams I've painted in the past couple of years. But I would say the best, the best miniatures come from a company called Willy Miniatures, uh, Grebo Miniatures, uh, to name two. They're my two personal favourites. Mm-hmm. There's a really nice manufacturer from London called Black Scorpion Miniatures. Oh my God, they're good, they right? Produce, 
Oh, I love that. Uh, they're one of my favourites. I would say they're their models. I wouldn't say they're top of the line premium, but in terms of an economy, when you can pick up a unit, a, a team of 16 models for about 35, 45 pounds, I think that might be about like $90 in resin. Good quality, uh, you know, reliable manufacturer, good delivery times, everything else, then yeah, I'm a big fan of them. I think I own I own four, no, three, three teams from Black Scorpion. Yeah. Uh, and I'll, I'll own more, I, I will own more in the future. Um, so, so yeah, there's, there's disappointment with Games Workshop not bringing out models. But to counter that, uh, if you go looking on the internet, you're not going to be able to, you know, go long without finding a team that you need. And I know as well, you, you might have made the comment, what about intellectual property? Uh, how do you... Well, they would have to do it in, in retrospect. Yeah. They've, they've left the market for 14 or 15 years. And you're now going to get upset that another manufacturer's got a, a rat with a little bit of armor carrying a ball. Yeah, no. Well, go figure. How, how, can you, how can you put intellectual property on what a troll looks like? Or an elf. Yeah, you can't they're, do they're that. Quite, they're quite generic science fiction creatures. <clears throat> Agreed. You know, exactly. And then you look at. I don't know. I don't know how in depth we're going to get today, but there are twenty. Sorry, up until a couple of months ago, there were twenty-four races or teams that you could play for Blood Bowl. And that's my next... Yeah, you're beating me to all my questions. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Am I? Well, yeah, I was literally... Great. That was one of them. Yep. So there are, there are 24 races. I I could name them all, but I don't think I can. I'm sure I would miss one, but everything from High Elves, Dark Elves, Wood Elves, Humans, Orcs, Goblins, Vampires, Norse, you know, Northern Warriors, eh... Uh, the Skaven that we've mentioned, dwarfs, chaos dwarfs, etc., etc. The list halflings, goes on. Yep. Oh yeah, halflings, all those, all those sorts of guys. Now, a recent move is there's been two new teams introduced. There's always been teams that have been testers by the community, by by this community that's existed. You know, mm-hmm. while Games Workshop has been away. Uh, and some of those testing teams were Simeons, your your monkey team. Think oh, wow. Planet of the Apes. Nice. Planet of the Apes plays plays mm-hmm. football. They're pretty cool. You've got Silverbacks, Orangutans, um, you know, all your different monkeys. Pretty cool. That is awesome. Then, then your the next few teams though they are touching on the the IP of Games Workshop, and they are. Uh, Bretonians and mm-hmm. the corn demons. Oh wow! And yeah, so it was recently announced that the the so the Blood Bowl Association uh, were going to introduce corn demons and Bretonians as official teams that could be played at tournaments, and we're not sure if this will be picked up by Games Workshop. Uh, in the future but I would say now though that 
anybody that's going to try and produce miniatures for these teams, they may be under the scrutiny of, of GWIP because uh. a corn a corn bloodletter <coughs> excuse me has got a specific look. Uh, you know, Bretonian knights and other supposed to be knights of Camelot, etc. Mm. But they've got a specific they do. Games Workshop IP. And then if we're expanding that weird IP story on a bit more, uh, you know, the Warhammer world, the old Warhammer world doesn't exist anymore. Right. So, right, so yeah, and then, then you're probably talking to the wrong person because I enjoy Blood Bowl. I'm not going to go any more, any further into the, the fanboy bizarre theories, but yeah, um, you know, in terms of available miniatures, yes, there's lots. Available teams, yes, there's lots. Uh, and the game has survived without Games Workshop, and it can only thrive and grow more with Games Workshop's involvement again. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping the Games Workshop really does pick it up. I've been flipping through uh, the Black Scorpion website and then the Games Workshop. So I was doing the jump between the... Um, the Skaven teams on Black Scorpion and, for example, the Games Workshop ones, because um, I've always loved Skaven. And it, look, the Black Scorpion ones are awesome. I just look at the Games Workshop ones, though, and their tails all over the place. Just The Black Scorpion ones look like football players. They are fantastic sculpts. You look at the Games Workshop ones, and there's a dynamic nature to the movement that their tails and their the way they're moving it's it's astonishing i'm almost yep. too worried however to touch the games workshop ones to break the tails um ooh. yeah and and i guess that's you touched on what i said about black scorpion as a manufacturer yeah they're not that sort of high-end miniature but they are very, very good miniature oh, yeah. and very good for what what they're supposed to be doing. <coughs> I own the I own the Black Scorpion Skaven team. Mm-hmm. God, I won I won a painting award at the World Cup with a Black Scorpion Skaven team, and uh, not a single thing has ever broken uh, off mm-hmm. of these guys. They're they're durable, sturdy because they're quite compact. Yeah. Uh, but and, and then but then you look at how dynamic, as you said, the the GW Skaven team are. They've got tails whipping everywhere, tails holding daggers, and you know, yeah, they look badass. Yeah. But you, you've always got to remember from of any miniature game that we've either of us have ever played. Oh yeah, gay, blood blood bowl miniatures are handled the most. Mm-hmm. They're physically touched, moved. You know, they get laying on their side, they get flipped on their backs, mm-hmm. they. You know, there's a lot of manipulation and contact with them. So, yeah. you know, the designer has to think, you know, how they do it. Then they also have to think about how they present on the on the tabletop, on the board. You know, think old-style Warhammer Fantasy. You know, they all have to rank up. They almost all have to rank up in some sort of way because on the, tab- on the gaming surface, each player has to stand in a square. Right, uh, and then in the square next to them, there'll be another player and another player and of another course. player. Yeah. So if you've got arms and tails and heads and art and just stuff just sprouting out, then mm-hmm. you're bumping a model along or aside, and and then it makes the it makes it look all cluttered. 
And what what I enjoy about Black Scorpion is they've, you know, other manufacturers do it as well, but for Black Scorpion, they've made good sturdy models that don't interfere with other models that they're trying to interact with, right. I guess is the best term. Whereas some of the GW stuff, I suppose mostly the Skaven, actually the Black Orcs are pretty big as well. I was going to say, yeah. They're almost buffing into each other and it's like, well, that's a bit annoying. And uh, even more so, when you lie it down, it actually lies, you know, over two squares. And like, uh. Yeah, exactly. How does that work? Yeah. It just... Yeah, it just makes it look a bit clumsy and can make gameplay a bit clumsy as well. That's all. Well, that's the thing. If you're playing with your mates, it's not a big deal. But if you're playing competitive um, or even if you're playing, I mean, you don't want it to be an issue. Um, it, if you don't have an issue, as you say, then there won't be an issue with a game like Blood Bowl. It's you just play, you have a good time. Um, the rules are what they are. But if models start bleeding into one another's bases, you know, then it you think if the, if someone happens, God forbid, to bump a table, then all of a sudden, even if they, something moves a millimeter or two, if it's already sort of half in a base, kind of leaning over as it is, yeah, yeah, it just it's not as clean. Um, now I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about because. I haven't touched Blood Bowl in a while. Um, I picked up the PlayStation 4 Blood Bowl 2. Um, yes. I picked that up the other night. Um, EB Games was having a clearance sale, and they had a ton of games out front. And I was walking my dog by and was like, I wonder if they have Blood Bowl. Because I knew we were going to do this episode, and I was going, yeah. And sure enough, there they did. And so I picked it up for like 20 bucks, um, which is fantastic. And... I am really looking forward to playing it again. Um, although, the more I think about the game and just its nature and how many models are involved, and I know there are local groups playing it, it just definitely makes me want to sit down and get some stuff painted and play too. Um, so let's talk about the game itself. So um, clearly, as you say, players in the game are called coaches, and they run an entire team. So you, you pick your race, you build your team, um, and it's like 11 models on the board at any given time. Am I, am I making that correct? Okay. Yeah. Um, and then you have different, different model types depending on what race you're playing. So you have things like linemen and, or blockers. Um, you have, um, people who throw like throwers, catchers, and, and then there's other things like black orcs and trolls and other, and star players. Um, am I ballparking this right? Yeah, you're doing you're doing it justice. You know, as as you said, it, if people just think about it like American football, but with elves, goblins, orcs, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So, as you said, you've you'll only have eleven players on the pitch at any one time, uh, or sorry, eleven players at most on the pitch for your team. Mm-hmm. There'll be a mixture of linemen who just make up the you know the numbers, blitzers who are like your sort of hero players that go out run down the ball, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, throwers, they throw the ball. That's their key skill. Catchers, your lightly armoured guys that are running running out the front, hoping the blitzers can protect them, mm-hmm. trying to get touchdowns. And then some teams have got what's known as the big guy. So you might have an ogre, a troll, mm-hmm. uh, or a minotaur that just makes up that sort of really sort of middle core strength for the team. Uh, violence is paramount. Yes, I was about to get to that. 
So uh, it, it's not. It, yeah, it it very much uses the old. It's a it's based off a very old version of Warhammer fantasy combat that sort of evolved over time. At least that's how I originally played it in its original iteration. How is that still the case? Um, the I don't remember how it originally got to where it is, but the one of the one of the core mechanics are the block dice. It's uh, mm. a special set of six sided dice that dictate how well a tackle or a block is achieved between two players. Uh, there's different results on the dice that can be influenced by the different skills that you've got, but mm-hmm. the basic principle is you need to knock down your opponent's players to clear a path to get through with the ball to score a touchdown. Uh, and you do that by throwing blocks, or once per turn you can blitz, which means you can move a player and then throw a block towards an enemy player at some point during that that turn mm-hmm. uh, and once you've knocked a player down you see if you can get through their armor by rolling two regular d6s and beating their armor level armor mm-hmm. value sorry and then after that you roll another 2d6 to determine whether you've stunned them knocked them out or caused a serious injury to them that's right and the game proceeds like that and it is it, when you when people think about it it's called blood bowl there's lots of blood, yeah. and every now and then somebody will pick up the ball. That's right. Um, but uh, the races really do have their own character. So the the elves, at least, please correct me if, again if I'm doing this wrong. So like teams like elves and Skaven, of course, there's exceptions to this depending on how you build your teams. But they're they're typically throwing running teams, um, whereas orcs. Again, typically will like punch through the middle of your army or, you know, you punch through your team to try and run it in through and stomp as many skulls on the way. Um, yeah, very the, simplistic. What, what they're classified, what they're classified as there's um, bash teams that just yes. bash and they are, they would be orcs, ogres, uh, Nurgle, teams that are high in armor value, low in movement. And high in strength, mm-hmm. so their their best way for them to win is to just hurt as many of your players as you can. Then you've got your agility teams, uh, which is any elf team and Skaven. They are really good at picking up the ball. They've got high movement. Their agility is quite high, so they can dodge away and get away from danger quite easily. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's counter that's counterbalanced by they're quite lightly armored. So if you do hit an elf, they they do tend to stay stay hit yeah, quite well. Exactly. And then you've got teams that just that fall in between there. Uh, humans, they're generally you know quite good at everything. Uh, Norse are classified as a bash team as well, but they're quite lightly armored. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the variety the variety is there. And it depends on the coach themselves, what style of play they think is good. And I've tried I've tried to play as elves, you know, the fast moving passing game and I'm not very good at it. Uh, whereas now I'm playing with Chaos Dwarfs, mm-hmm. which again are a, a bash team low movement, high armor, uh, and I enjoy that game so much more. Yeah. Uh, you know, just like hitting hitting other people's players. Makes me feel better about myself. Yeah, I'm, yeah that's how I play Blood Bowl when I play too. Yes. Uh, well, yep. okay. Um, 
Now, we've talked about the basics of the team. We talked about that. One of the things that should be mentioned, um, when Games Workshop put out the game, um, the new game, it was very much play the teams that are in this box. And then they came out with a book at the same time called Death Zone. Now, that is exactly the same model they've used with the new Necromunda, where they have a core game where you can play the games with missions in the box against the two gangs that are in the box. But what's famous for both Necromunda and for Blood Bowl is the league play or um, campaign play where you yes. where your characters progress over time. And that, controversially, is what Gang War and what Death Zone, those attachments to both Blood Bowl and Necromunda, and I know I just reversed them, but you guys know what I'm talking about. That's what is included in those books. And they were all they were integral parts of the classic game that you didn't have to pay extra for. Um, but why Games Workshop did that is to lower the price point on their actual game um, to make it... They're trying to get back in the, I guess, into the board game market. Um, and so by having it sort of this, inclus this all-inclusive, very simple board game um, with great miniatures, great rules that you can play everything that's in that box, um, it then it is a nice gateway drug to Games Workshop as a whole. But if for those experienced players like us, um, if you want to play those games where your characters, you know, progress over time or players get better and you have, you know, you start creating your own star players, well, that is where... You, you need those campaign rules, and that's what you have to pay extra for. Um, is Was there much um, grumpiness from the community um, when that came out? Because, man, there's a lot in the Necromunda world. That's But that's where the difference between the Necromunda community and the Blood Bowl community comes in. I never bought the 2016 Games Workshop Blood Bowl box set because I didn't need to. That's the true. rule, the core rules of the game were the same, and I had them downloaded from however many years ago. Uh, I've got pitches. I've got. I have four pitches by mm -hmm. different independent manufacturers. Uh, I already had six teams. I had all the required block dice. I didn't need any core core stuff, so there there wasn't that outcry by Blood Bowl established Blood Bowl players because. Well, we've already got it, so yeah, it doesn't matter. You can you can try and dress it up and resell it to us, but I already own what you're selling, so I don't care. Brand new players that had never heard of the association or the living rule book, they didn't know any different, mm -hmm. so they didn't care. They just thought, well, this is how the game comes. Oh, if I want to play in the local league, or oh, they use these rules, mm -hmm. so I need to buy this death zone book. All right, cool, man. Whatever. There's my money. So there was there was zero outcry. I, you know what? I actually didn't even notice because I, I didn't know. Yeah. I already had I already had the rules, but <clears throat> I I'm also a big Necromunda fan, mm -hmm. and I was fully aware that the core box didn't have everything that I needed mm -hmm. or to do campaign play, and so you know what I did? I haven't bought it, so I'm not yeah. I'm still not playing. Yeah, uh, and and you know what's really sad? Uh, the core box doesn't have proper scenery. No, it's it's. I'm gonna do an entire episode on Akramata because I did go out and buy that box. 
And I did go yep. out and buy the $50, if you buy it retail, um, expansion Gang War. Um, because I, in my... So I was previously married, and in my divorce, I lost... Um, I mean, it's not like my ex-wife took it. I just, oh, you know, in slimming down my life um, during the divorce, I lost a huge chunk of my collection. Um, and Necromunda and my copies of Blood Bowl were some of those things that I just no longer have. Um, and so I really wanted to play Necromunda again. And it is a fantastic... It is The new version of Necromunda is not what Blood Bowl is. Blood Bowl was very, as you say, slightly tweaked. Necromunda was significantly changed. Um, and I actually really like what they've done with it. Um, so I'm looking forward to playing it. And just, yeah, it just takes me back to a happy time. But that, that, that's my case for Blood Bowl as well. Um, and I, yeah, I just, I think I just need to sit down and play some on my PlayStation 4, or maybe find some good natured local players because, man, as you say, with Blood Bowl, you're kind of always going to get a good natured game. I, I, I mean, I know a lot of people who play the game, lots of people who played it for years and years and years. And the number of games that I've heard people complain about of Blood Bowl and people they've played against. I can name on maybe one finger. Yeah. I mean, compare that to, uh, I went to a tournament and I had a shit game against, um, pardon my French, uh, against, you know, opponent number four. Um, and that that's a normal commonplace thing. Uh, don't you hate it when? Like, it was astonishing. People were astonished that they had a bad game of Blood Bowl. And it was just, that, that's just, that speaks volumes about the community. I'm sorry, it's your community. You should talk about it. No, no, I, I agree. Uh, and the only time you'll find most Blood Bowl players complain about a game of Blood Bowl is when their dice have been very unlucky, yeah. or their opponent's dice have been very lucky. Yeah. And that, and for myself, that's the only time because, and this is where I'll come back to talking about Blood Bowl. It's because yes, it's yeah. such an established rule set. It's not balanced, but it's as close to balance as most people can understand or accept yeah so that if you do lose you are guaranteed to have lost to a better coach or you got diced yeah and you can't be upset if that coach is better than you because that it's not like a bad attitude thing or they've not got this weird net list you know right. that they've been number crunching because you, you can't number crunch a tournament blood bowl team because all that number crunching's been done. It's been done. Yeah, exactly. I'll say it again. It's been done. Yeah. Most most really experienced blood bowl coaches have seen everything, and they truly have seen every variation of every team at some point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you surprise them, it means you're probably doing something really stupid. Yeah, exactly. Or you're cheating. Dead set. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so when you're when you get beat, and you feel like it's been a bad game, it means that yeah, you've been diced, or your opponent was just exceptionally good. Yeah. But actually, I'll I might rephrase that a little. Was your opponent exceptionally good, or did you just make mistakes? Yeah. Or and did they capitalize on those mistakes if you made them? Exactly. Yeah. It's. I mean, Blood Bowl. Some people will say it's kind of got some of the precision and uh, advanced thought processes quite closely related to chess, mm-hmm. which it does because it's on a, you know, tiled squared mm-hmm. board. 
pieces have got fixed movements. Uh, of course, there's the random dice ability, which makes it a you know a good fun dice game. But mm-hmm. good good players will play Blood Bowl uh, and try and roll as few dice as possible because dice bring failure. <laughs> to a Blood Bowl player. Now that's what I want to talk to you about. That is one of the last talking points I have. So one of okay. the interesting things with Blood Bowl is so <laughs> you one play one team kicks off to the other team. They yes. theoretically get hold of the ball and then they try and run and get a touchdown in their opponent's end zone. Now, anytime somebody fumbles the ball or trips trying to do something cute, um it the 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 players switch, um, so the yeah, game so is a certain number of turns that is unchanging. But the number of times that the switching between players happens can be drastic. Can you talk to me about that a little bit more? Because so yeah, dice. Game... If you say you get diced, you're probably dropping the ball, and your opponent's probably getting more goes than you. Am I? Kind of no the the okay. game mechanic is that the game of blood balls split into two halves there's mm-hmm. eight turns per half so 16 16 turns in total and during a turn each player gets a turn okay you know so every, every each player gets turn one turn two turn three turn four okay I'm wrong then okay Go ahead, yeah during no no and during your turn you can you can activate all your pieces once to do various actions, but there's a few key actions that you can only do once per turn, and that is a pass, a blitz, a handoff, and a foul. Those are, I'm pretty sure those are the only actions you can do once per turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can move as many of your players as you like. Uh, as many of your players can throw blocks as they can. Uh, as you remember from previously, a block is when if one player, if one of your pieces is standing next to one of your opponents, they mm-hmm. can throw a block. It's just two guys standing side by side. A bit like Aussie rules football when they just give each other a bit of a sort of punch in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just a bit of a punch in the face. Yep. But you can throw as many blocks as you can. And once you've finished an action with the player, they don't get to do anything else until the next turn. Mm-hmm. The problem becomes, so a player can activate all their all their pieces, achieve everything they want to, and then that it goes over to their opponent's turn. If during your own turn, though, let's say you um, you know you want to go and pick up the ball, so you move your piece over, you know, he moves two squares, goes onto the ball, you roll the dice. If you fail to pick up the ball, the ball will bounce to a square next to you, and then that's your turnover. Yeah. Because something because something failed. Right. If some if something fails for you in your turn. That's it. Your turn's over. So it's a risk management program. Definitely. You know, so if you if you had to sort of if you want to move a player, say they've got movement six, so you can move them six squares. You can then do what's known as a go for it. It's when they're trying to push themselves and go that little bit extra. So if they want to move one one more square, you roll a dice on a two plus, they make it. If you roll the one, he trips, slips, and falls over. That's it. Turnover. Yeah. Uh, if you try and punch one of your opponents in the face, but you fail and he punches you back, turnover. Uh, so you've got to manage that that problem. <coughs> so people can have 
really fast turns if they're really bad at doing stuff. Yeah, exactly. And Having played the video game a lot, I know that you absolutely, um, you always do the stuff that where you go to pick up the ball or you do those things absolutely dead last. And it's like, okay, what do I need to move around or get up first? Um, yes. But even getting up can fail. And you go, well, let me move the stuff. And then, yeah. And that's when I said that good Blood Bowl players, they will do a lot more, a lot more activity uh, that doesn't involve rolling a dice. Because dice brings failure. That's right. So you'll see them spend a couple of minutes moving players that you know you don't need to roll any dice for, standing players up, or act, just activities that don't require the use of a dice, right up until the point where they need to. And even then, those dice rolls they start with, unless they can help it, those dice rolls will be more favorable to them. You know, if, if an action requires a 2+, plus, they'll do that first instead of an action that requires a five plus on a single d6 because yeah. the odds are better yeah that's right <laughs> ah, i like it i like it all right so if there's any if there's any wargaming mathematicians out there that love risk management and that have never played blood bowl you should go and play blood bowl because it's risk management heaven exactly but it's also it's i mean we talk about <laughs> resource management in a lot of games and it's almost as though risk is the um, resource that you have to manage within the game, um, more so than in a lot of other games, because it really does limit what you can accomplish in a turn if you manage your opportunities poorly. Um, as you say, minimize how much failure you have um, by maximizing what you do before you have your, that chance. Um, Yes. And yeah, I mean, that is why Dave so soundly stomped me when we played that. And he also knew how, um, you know, like any good street fight, um, or in this case, you know, a fight where Blood Bowl game breaks out. If you have two guys and they're beating up on another guy, the, the two guys are more likely to do some damage than the one guy, depending on who the guys are, of course. Yep. Um, but yeah, and I mean, Blood Bowl has one of my favorite game mechanics of all time, where is if a player's thrown into the crowd, the crowd can do any number of awful things to a player. Yes. And I just think that's amazing. It's so much fun. And that has gone back to the game, its first iteration. Um, yes, the, the, the crowd surf is still a thing. Oh, so good. So um, bad. Yeah, it's so bad for your player. It's so good just for fun. Um, yeah. Oh, and so you kind of want to throw. And I mean... There, the game had so many fun elements that I'm sure are still in there where the big guys can take a little guy and throw them like the ball, sometimes throw holding teammate. the ball. <laughs> throw teammate, still a thing. Yep. When so, that troll, because that's one of the, the sort of really cool benefits of a goblin team. Goblins are probably the most entertaining team to play. They've got mm -hmm. all the weird secret weapons and you know exploding squigs and everything else but chainsaws the, yep the core pogo sticks the yep. core the the core element of the goblin team is the two trolls mm -hmm. that can throw a goblin <coughs> the only problem is will the will the troll eat the goblin mm -hmm. that is the that is the conundrum um, and that that does happen quite often that's right and it used to be that if you threw the little guy would the little guy survive landing um but yeah that that was always the uh tree man yeah. throwing a halfling and that kind of thing as well 
Yeah. Oh, that that also happens. It's the throw teammate one turn touchdown when one goblin will give give the ball to another goblin. That goblin will get picked up by the troll. He'll throw the goblin while the goblin's holding the ball. The goblin will land, and then the goblin will just run for the end zone. <laughs> touchdown. Awesome. Sixty percent of the time, it works every, every time. time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother. So, look, clearly there's a lot to this game. Um, but as we say, it's easy to pick up, but there's a lot that you can do, um, especially the way you play your teams. Um, would you recommend Blood Bowl? I know you're passionate about it, but I also know that you're one of the most objective, clear-thinking gamers. I know. Would you recommend this game for... Who would you recommend this for besides the mathematicians? Would you recommend this for Joe Gamer on the street or maybe even someone who's just looking to get into their first proper game past a board game? Yes, to all. Uh, your, young, your young kids, it's good fun for them. Mm-hmm. You know, There's lots of entertaining things that can happen. The rule set is easy to teach. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Locally, we've had a league in Aberdeen since 2014. And we started, there was three of us, all old school gamers. Mm-hmm. And now there's over 20 of us. And we've had to teach new players. That we, we meet in a pub every Tuesday night. Nice. And it's literally been some, a couple of guys have wandered over and said, hey, what's this? What are you playing? It looks like fun. Yeah. Uh, can you teach us? Yes. And then a year and a half later... They've invested funds in it, and they're they're gamers now. Awesome. Uh, they just don't know it yet. They exactly. still haven't figured out that they're war gamers yet. But uh, it's very it's easy to teach. It's financially quite easy to get access to because mm-hmm. you don't need, you know, forty or fifty models for an army. It's it's sixteen models for a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, the boards. Yes, yeah, so it's yeah, easy to teach, easy to learn, financially reasonably easy to pick up. It's not a huge investment uh, compared to other full-scale war games, and um, good for all ages. And I might even throw out the F word, fun. Oh, got to take that on board. Yeah, That's good right. fun. Uh, our league, we've got people from eighteen through to sixty. There you go. No, I think a few of them are 60. They definitely act like old buggers. (laughs) (coughs) Present company excluded. Exactly. Exactly. Well, awesome. Exactly. Now, um, is there anything else that you want to talk about with Blood Bowl tonight? Because, man, we've hit all my talking points, and we even mentioned the goblin on the pogo stick and the chainsaw guy. uh, Sorry, the uh, chainsaw guy. I mean, it's just such a rich game. It's been around forever. And because the rules haven't changed necessarily, it's just got such depth. Um, and yet it's it's e- easily accessible, I guess. I, I guess the, the fact that Games Workshop didn't simplify it when they came out with the most recent box, given how they've simplified all the other games that they brought out in a box, just speaks volumes about Blood Bowl's accessibility always i guess um yeah well they they didn't need to change it exactly because it was a it's a solid game system and you know with 
hundred. It would be thousands of games played when it's current iteration. So any work had already been done. Yeah. Adjusting it, fiddling with it, tweaking it. I even from in the past twelve months alone uh, in Aberdeen, we've played two hundred over two hundred recorded league games between all our players. Yeah. <laughs> and. The only time my, myself and the other commissioner ever have to answer, ask, uh, answer a question is because one of the players has just forgotten something. It's not a, it's not a, a you know, how do these two rules interact? It's a, oh, what was that again? Oh, yeah, yeah I forgot. Yeah, exactly. And, it, and it's usually because they've had a couple of beers too many or, mm-hmm. you know, but there isn't, there's not been a, you know, we've never... We've never come across this situation before anywhere in the world. You know, how does it work? It's like, no, nah, it's been done. So definitely, don't don't fix something if it ain't broken. That's right. Well, especially. I'm right. oh, sorry. Go ahead. Espe- sorry, I was just gonna hit again. Especially when an international tournament, the year before you release the game, can attract over 900 players traveling from all over the world. Yeah. Why? Why would you need to fix that? You wouldn't. You definitely nope. wouldn't. Not. Nah. And it's not like, you know, when they brought up the new 40K and they had, you know, all these secret groups playtesting it. As you say, the playtesting's done for them. I mean, just look at that World Cup event. If you have 900 players playing, was it nine games? Sorry. Was it, yeah. Nine games over three days, yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to quickly do the math on that. Um, I would normally do that in my head, but I'm really tired right now. Um, I think it's 2,700. Yeah, exactly. That many games? No, maybe. It was a lot. <laughs> uh, 8,000. Sorry. 900 players times nine games is 8,100 games. Um, that That's a hell of a divided, lot of data. Divided by two. Okay. So, yeah. Because there's 900 coaches, but they're playing with each other. Oh, yeah, of course. So it's 400, 450 yeah, games right. around. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Oh, my head, my head. Maths. Well, uh, as I said off air, um, I'm I'm barely conscious tonight because um, tomorrow is the greatest day of the year as far as I'm concerned. Now, you might be saying, Brad, why are you saying that uh, December 22nd is the greatest day of the year? Well, I teach primary school, and in Australia, uh, the school year ends around Christmas and begins again in February. My last day of the school year is tomorrow, and it's just, I cannot wait for Saturday morning when I get to sleep in and take a long walk along the river with my dog and my wife and have some delicious coffee and just relax. So, yes, I'm I'm barely conscious. Now, there is an important question that must be discussed before we call it a night, my good man. Um, Okay. Or I should say, before you go to work. Um, Now... I, I did get asked by a good old friend of ours, uh, Lee Avery, old yes. you know, Roy himself, Hi. wanted to know, Now I know it's been discussed on Facebook, but he wanted to hear your proper opinion. What is the correct way to consume Iron Brew? Straight from the can, chilled. See, that's how my wife says it too. That is it. Yep, yep no ice is it's involved. Wife- you don't want to dilute it. It's- 
It's because your wife's a good woman. <laughs> well, good like, Scottish woman. That's right. You know, I like your wife. She's a fucking brilliant lady. Yes. And of course, she's going to have the same Ironbrew opinion. She'll also tell you, don't mix any alcohol in it. Because the next morning when you drink Iron Brew, that's your hangover cure. That's you don't right. want to be cross-contaminating it. <laughs> As we've right. said, you don't put any ice in it because basically all you're doing is diluting it. Yep. So there's no point. And again, she'll also agree, the only variation in temperature cannot be applied to Australia because you guys have got problems. <laughs> you can you can drink Iron Brew at room temperature in Scotland and it'll still be fine. <laughs> That's because it's freezing in Scotland. Yes, because it's freezing in Scotland. You cannot do it at room temperature in Australia because then it's like drinking lukewarm tea. Oh, God. So for American listeners, um, it was close to 100 degrees the other day. And for the rest of the world, it was upper 30s, low 40s. And we had um, extreme thunderstorm warnings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm just sitting there going, God, this is like the last week of school. And the kids are like over being here. This, and it's too hot. The weather's crazy. They can't go out and play. It's like, oh, man, can't we just call it quits? Like when I was a kid, you have some honest to God snow days. But, you know. Can't can't we just not send the kids to school today? How how does this? Yeah, <sighs> I don't have the answer for you, Brad. All I can say is thank you for having me on another one of your podcasts. Oh, brother! And uh, I really hope that tomorrow is as much fun and enjoyment as you you hope it's going to be. Oh, it will, it will. Now, before we go another step, I do absolutely have to say. A couple of quick things. One, if you have not gone to Brushwork Miniatures on Facebook, that's Alistair's website, you need to, even if you think, nah, I don't, I'm not sure about this Blood Bowl game, or eh, I'm not sure of this, that, and the other thing. Al's painting is astonishingly good. Check it out. Do yourself a favor. Just flip through. He's got awesome bolt-action armies on there. There's some Warhammer 40,000 stuff on there. There's, I mean, there's all sorts of games on there's Blood Bowl. I mean, there's plus you get to see some pictures from some great events. Um, Al's just an awesome hobby genius. And if you haven't checked out how he does his bases, how he does his models, how you go through and do it, I mean, it's just, it's just awesome. I love seeing his updates on Facebook, and I've been um, a fan of, I've been liking his page for a, a really long time. So you need to get on there and like it because it's fantastic. Um, also, uh, while you're at it, if you have not gone to Cast Dice, this particular podcast page, um, please type Cast Dice, C-A-S-T, um, Dice, um, D-I-C-E. Um, find us on Facebook, hit like. And um, I do have to thank, um, I've had a few people say that, oh, you actually want us to leave a review on iTunes? Um I've never actually said this before last episode because I was always part of another podcast network. Um, Cast Dice is completely isolated and by itself at this point. Um, our numbers of listeners are small but growing, um, but it would really help people the way that the algorithm algorithms work um, with I, the iTunes store. If you know you get some nice five-star reviews, it is much easier for people to find my podcast um, and look, if you feel like it, I'd love the feedback. If you're not going to give me a five-star uh, review or you don't want to give us a five-star review, 
please listen to Al Kaf and then um, log in. Thank you. <laughs> message us on Facebook and say, hey, buddy, this is what I don't like about your show. Um, and if if I can change it, I will. I, I absolutely um, want this to be enjoyable for the listeners. And uh, if I know I've had a few people send me awesome lists of stuff to cover, and I plan on doing that on our vacation, um, which starts tomorrow. Expect more regular episodes and more of them in the weeks to come as I get games in and time to podcast and do proper hobby. Um, if, for some reason... Something happens, and I can't get another episode before Christmas, which is very likely at this point, given that it's Monday. Um, I would like to wish each and every single one of you listening tonight um, just the warmest season greetings. I hope that you are able to spend time with your families and loved ones um, and just um, get the most out of this season, um, regardless of what religion you happen to believe in or customs you follow. Um, we at the Cast Ice love you, and we appreciate that you are listening. Um, and thank you. Have a very lovely end of the year, and uh, I look forward to talking to you soon on the next episode of the Cast Ice. And the terrible spend out